This is a presentation of BSRN, Box Studios Radio Network. The Power Play Post Show is on the air, covering minor league hockey since 2003, and now covering the Binghamton Black Bears, with news, reactions, and in-depth interviews only heard here. And now, from the Box Studios in Kirkwood, New York, here is your host of the Power Play Post Show, Bob Howard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. This is the show for February 29th, 2024. This is season 13, episode 27 of the Power Play Post Show. And this is episode 412 of the long-running podcast. It is the Power Play Post Show. I am your host, Bob Howard. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Glad to have you on. And uh, if I sound a little not so normal... It is because I am sick. I do have uh, the, for the first time in uh, the four years, I have the COVID-19. So I do apologize if I sound a little funny, if I have to clear my throat just a little bit. I'm going to keep my portion here uh, kind of short. There are some important things we need to talk about. But I have a great interview with Liam Anderson from the Binghamton Black Bears. So I'm very excited about that. So let's get right into it. Uh, the PowerPlay Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search PowerPlay Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the PowerPlay Post Show Facebook group. Uh, just go to Facebook and search for PowerPlay Post Show and share with any of your friends who obviously like um, hockey and FPHL hockey and or Binghamton Black Bears hockey. Check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton information and curiosity. And on this edition of the Power Play Post Show, Binghamton Black Bears defenseman Liam L.A. Anderson. So really enjoyed my time talking with uh, Liam. Really nice guy. Um, L.A. is very, very cool. You know, uh, L.A. and I have never talked until today. Uh, But a couple times at the arena, he knows who I am, and he said hello, calls me by my name. So really appreciate that. Uh, LA, um, without a doubt, uh, makes a difference. You know, every time I talk to these guys, I find each time how really just good people they are, you know, um, and that Brant Sherwood has really put together a really character based team with a lot of character. Um, that's just really good. So this weekend, they only have one game preview of one game this weekend with Elmira River Sharks on Friday in Elmira. Friday's game is selling out very well. Um, I, I think it could potentially be a sellout. It depends, but the one picture I saw earlier today, it looked like it was selling really well. Now, they haven't had a lot of luck with uh, you know selling tickets there in Elmira this year, so to have something well over uh, 3,000 and close to their sellout would be very good for, obviously, the River Sharks. The Black Bears are 6-1-1 one, one against the River Sharks this season. This will be the ninth game of the season series. I believe, I believe it's 14 this year. The Black Bears won the last game in Elmira on February 14th, Valentine's Day, before the score by the score of 10 to 2. In that game, Connor Smith scored four goals, three goals in the last three games as well. So he's in his last four games, he's now scored seven goals. So Connor Smith is doing real well. He's on a very good run. Big question will be who starts in goal, Connor McAnanima or 
Nolan Egbert. Nolan played and won the last three games for the Blackbirds this last weekend. As we all know, the Sam Levecchi had been uh, released from the team. River Sharks are 19% on the power play, 76% on the penalty kill, compared to the Black Bears, 82% on the PK, and 29% on the power play. I think that's ranked third right now, but they've scored more power play goals than anybody in the league, and I would put their power play up against anybody in the league at this point. Stephen Klink leads the River Sharks with 20 goals and 27 assists in 31 games played. He's had a really good season. You know, you got to really give it up to Stephen Klink. He's a little bit of a feisty player, um, as well as being able to score goals and set up his other teammates. David Giada is also having a nice season with 18 goals and 20 assists in 33 games played. We have seen Sammy Bernard. Uh, he is 11-11 with a 3.62 goals against average and a 9.09 save percentage. However, the River Sharks traded for and a wonderful C, Frankie McClendon, a very good goaltender who is 7-3 this season, 3-6-0 uh, goals against average, and a 9-0-2 save percentage. He's done most of that good work in Carolina. He was 6-1 for Carolina this season. He also played in Danbury a little bit, and he's only been in one game so far for the River Sharks. All right, so some roster movement. Uh, we've obviously seen a lot of this roster movement that's been happening. Let's start with uh, uh, they signed Peter Izzo uh, out of college. They also released Jonas Lees, who you know came in last weekend but left. Um, they also brought on uh, Robbie Nelson Jr. He's a defenseman, so it's good to have someone like him here. And they released Stephen Gerbis. Uh, they've also signed Cameron Clark to the team. That was announced earlier today. Uh, looks like uh, Cameron's got some decent numbers playing in the SUNY X system for Morrisville. Um, now, of course, the big conversation is Sam Levecchi. Sam was uh, released this weekend. We all know that more than likely they weren't going to be able to bring three goaltenders into the playoffs. Uh, the FPHL does not just really, it, it just, it handcuffs uh, general managers and or coaches in this league. You know, with only, <coughs> only being able to have 19, just really not uh, feasible. I'll talk more about this probably on Sunday with Sunday show. Hopefully my throat and my voice and everything will be better uh, by then. Uh, but, Sam is a great guy. I got to talk to him. Um, you know, he's a part of our Power Play Post Show uh, Facebook group. And I hope either he, you know, he gets picked up by another team. I mean, he's got good numbers. Eight and two. Eight, two, and one on the season. 3.55 goals against average and an 8.93 save percentage. Um, I mean, he, he, did, he did well uh, for the team. And, uh, but really good guy really works hard, and he's got one of the fastest glove hand that I've seen in a while. So I'm hoping good things uh, for Sam Levici. I'll talk a little bit more about this on Sunday as well. So that's it. Roster is all changed up. I think uh, we'll see uh, Cameron Clark this weekend, probably also Robbie Nelson Jr. Uh, And uh, after the game on Friday, Gavin Yates will be able to return. 
So Gavin Yates will be back. He'll be done with the suspension. And the Black Bears will be able to dress 18 players instead of 17. They'll be able to dress 18 players again for the first time in 12 games. So that's that's a big thing to be able to have, you know, you know, 10 forwards, six defensemen and your two goalies. Really good thing. All right. Before my voice gives away or before I start hacking up along, which I do not want to do on the air, I do apologize once again. Hopefully I will be feeling a lot better here within the next couple of days. Coming up next here on the Power Play Post Show is um, Binghamton Black Bears defenseman Liam Anderson. We're going to end the show with that. I want to thank everybody for listening. I really appreciate it. I want to thank Rob Lopolis, our MC, and John Petitucci, our musical director. And, of course, coming up next here on the Power Play Post Show is Liam L.A. Anderson. We'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. Hi, this is Don Biggs from the 92-93 Binghamton Rangers. Hi, this is Brandon Bochinski. This is Grady Wittenberg, the voice of the Binghamton Senators, and you're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Uh, Very excited to have this gentleman on. He comes to us from the Binghamton Black Bears, and he is one of their defensemen. He is Liam Anderson. Liam, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Bob, thanks for having me. Now, I know it's, it's, it's it's probably pretty obvious that... Your nickname is L.A. and everything, um, and everything just because your name is Liam Anderson. Did Before you got to here, and of course we have Jesse Anderson. I don't think we, they, anyone calls him J.A., um, but uh, have you always had that nickname, or did that just happen here in Binghamton? No, it just happened here in Binghamton. Um, growing up, my hockey nickname was the classic Ando or Andy. Yeah, okay, yeah. And... Uh, Jesse Anderson's nickname in the room is obviously Ando, and he's been here a lot longer than I have. So, actually, a funny story. Um, it was after our very first home game against Elmira. Um, I came to practice early. I was in the lounge, just uh, I put a bagel in and coffee or whatever, and I was wearing an LA Dodgers hat. And uh, Coach Sherwood was the one that. Um, kind of gave me the nickname. He's like, oh, I'm going to start calling you L.A. And he's like, oh, I don't think it's going to stick, but I'm going to start calling you that anyway. And then here we are five months later, and it's <laughs> that's my bonafide nickname around town. Well, that's pretty cool. You know, L.A., LA like I said, it works because obviously you're, you know, you're – Name is Liam Anderson, so that works and everything. Yeah, I was just kind of curious on that and everything because I got to be honest with you, L.A. is actually kind of the the cool name, you know. I mean, a nickname. Um, I've had worse, trust me. Um, back in my day, uh, so let's talk a little bit about growing up in Toronto. You grew up in East York, uh, Ontario. Can you explain to the fans where East York kind of is? You know, like you said, it's a borough of Toronto. But explain a little bit about East York. Yeah, so East York's is a borough east of uh, downtown Toronto. It's uh, so yeah, it's between downtown and Scarborough. Um, it's not too big, not too small either. Um, yeah, honestly, it's just kind of a great neighborhood to grow up in. It's uh, pretty culturally diverse, and 
Uh, funny enough, like growing up, every school I went to, I was able to walk to, you know, so I never had to drive to elementary, middle, or uh, high school. And, yeah, you know, it's just kind of always been home. So now I always like to say the East York thing rather than Toronto. Even though you are really basically in Toronto, what's interesting though yeah. um, is is how close how close everything is together. There is so much to do. Can you can you tell me how how is there a lot of ice rinks in East York or is there? I mean, I got to imagine just in Toronto, just as a whole, there's a lot of ice rinks to be able to play at. But when you know, is there a lot in East York that you could walk to even? Oh yeah, hundred um... percent. Actually, funny enough, um, when I played high school hockey, like uh, I live right on the street from the rink uh, we practice at. So, oh wow, we practice at eight. In the, yeah, we practice at eight in the morning. I'd wake up at like seven thirty, take my bag, walk down the street, and um, put my gear on and go out. Um, yeah, and other than that too, there's a ton of like outdoor rinks during the winter. And yeah, honestly, I'd probably say there's like five or six rinks within like a. 10, 15 mile radius of where I live. Wow. So you could really get, now was it, you know, being in Toronto, I, I got to imagine that maybe uh, getting ice time was tough. Was it tough when you were young to find ice time? No, it's like, again, hockey's, hockey's just super big in Toronto. Like there's a ton of organizations so from house league to single A and double A and triple A. Like it's, it's just kind of everywhere. So no, not really. No, so well, getting not at all. so getting ice time wasn't that a, pro- a problem. When did you start? Was it was it the normal? You know, your parents put you on skates like like my parents did with me when you were three years old, that type of thing. Um, yes and no. Honestly, so I did start skating when I was three. Yeah. Um, and I loved being out there, but I hated the equipment. So <laughs> I played my first year of hockey when I was six. Okay. And absolutely hated it. And then the year after that, I would just like go to the outdoor range and play shinny just with no equipment on. And Sure. Um, a year later, I was like to my dad, like, you know what? I'll like, I'll try again and kind of see how it is. And just, yeah, played a year of house league when I was eight. And then once you turn nine in uh, Toronto, you have the opportunity to play like rap hockey, which is like single A, mm-hmm. double A, and triple A, and just kind of wrote it from there. Now, when you were that young, was there any interest in any of the other sports? Uh, you know, any baseball, football, or anything like that? Maybe soccer. Yeah, I was. Uh, so my summer sport was soccer. Okay, I played up until I was uh, seventeen. I think at one point, honestly, I was. Probably better at soccer than was at hockey, but um, my Canadian uh, heritage took me another direction. Kind of, kind of took over and said, uh, "Yeah, you're going to play hockey now." Um, when you yeah. when you make the decision at 17 to really concentrate more on hockey than on soccer, what is that? What is that like? Is there a conversation with a coach, with your mom and your dad? How do you, how do you come to that conclusion that it's like time to not play soccer no more? and just concentrate on hockey? Um, I think, honestly, it was just kind of a gradual thing. Like, at that point, I was in my senior year of high school, and, like, I was uh, 
playing midget AAA for the Toronto Titans, and then uh, I was an AP for a junior B team. Mm-hmm. They're called the Thorough Blackhawks at the time. Um, and I was playing like um, equivalent to like double A rep soccer. So it just kind of took its course that I'd stick with hockey and I was just more dedicated to it. Um, can you explain to the fans how competitive youth hockey is in the Toronto area? I got to imagine that of all the cities in probably, you know, Canada, you know, I mean, we can include Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, um, you know, Winnipeg. It's very competitive, right, when you're talking about within the city. But how competitive is it in Toronto being the biggest uh, city in Canada? Yeah, I mean, it's nuts because, again, like, like there's so, like, there's so many teams, but, like, the way people work around the rules is, is kind of amazing. Like, I'll give you an example. I think there's 12 teams in GTHL AAA. Right. So if you live within Toronto, you can play for any one of those 12 teams. But people, like, buy from outside Toronto, buy houses in Toronto so they can um, count their kid, like, to not be, like, an import. Because, wow. again, like, those minor hockey leagues have import rules as well. Um, and yeah, it's just like the way they have it set up. That's so good because, um, the triple A loop plays like out of the same three or four ranks. Like you're going the same three or four ranks, like every single weekend. And like most of those weekends or most of those ranks, um, I'll name them for you. It's like Scotiabank Pond, Westwood, Chesswood. Um, and there's a couple more that are like multi-pad. So like, you'd have, like, the same age group, same levels playing, like, at the same time. Just, like, it's just a really good uh, league for, like, exposure. And that's just kind of like the hockey, like, hotbed of Ontario. Now, you played AAA hockey for a few years and then obviously played junior hockey. <clears throat> How big of a difference is it to go from AAA to junior hockey? Um, I, I kind of took, a like, a, a different route. Uh, route playing junior hockey like so after my last year of midget triple a um so you're 17 and they go to juniors um that's obviously 16 to 20 but um the average kid would probably go let's say to the oj when they're 18 and then play three years of junior but in my case um i ended up playing in the gojhl which is the junior b league yeah so I played um, for the Welland Junior Canadians that year. Welland's just outside Niagara Falls. And it was kind of a unique league because, like, the top teams were, like, really, really good. Like, they would have, like, XOHL guys that were 20 years old getting paid under the table. And then on the flip side of things, you'd have, like, really weak teams where it was, like, you were beating them like crazy, and it was like worse hockey than midget AAA. Jeez. So, yeah, it was it was just kind of weird. Like one night you'd be playing a really good team, and then the other night you'd be playing a team that's like kind of a joke. Now you uh, made you know in 2018 2019 you were with Steinbeck and then uh, Cochrane. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that year um, playing in those leagues? 
Yeah, so um, I obviously wanted to move up after uh, playing a year junior B and doing fairly well. So uh, I was going to stick around in the OJ, but I played a spring tournament with one of my buddies and uh, the head coach of the Steinbeck Pistons, he's still there, his name's Paul Dick, um, came to Ontario and um, he was interested in me and it was kind of it was kind of a cool decision because the year before they ended up winning the 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 Manitoba Junior Hockey League and they were at the I forget what the championships called it used to be called the RBC Cup but it's like the national championship for Canadian Junior A teams right so it seemed like a like pretty uh, good opportunity to go and play for a really like high end organization and kind of. Get out, get out of Ontario because um, in Western Canada teams don't charge kids to play. Huh. So it was like when I went. So when I went to Steinbeck, I didn't pay anything to play junior there. But if I played for a team like the Toronto Junior Canadians or the Toronto Patriots, I probably would have paid like anywhere close to like eight to ten grand. Holy cow! To play hockey, I had yeah. no idea it was like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, junior hockey in Canada is kind of weird like that. Like, different places are super different. Like, actually, thinking back to it, too, um, being in Steinbeck was probably the closest to what it was like kind of being here and the fact where it's like we have a really good fan base and community that uh, support the team and kind of get the boys whatever they need to do to succeed. So, but yeah, anyway... um, so I went out there. I was there for four months. I played around 20 games. Uh, being an older guy on the team in 19, mm-hmm. at the time, I I didn't necessarily play the, the expectations I had coming out of camp. So things didn't really work out for me there. So I ended up getting traded to Cochrane in the Noge, which uh, at first I was pretty disappointed about it, but it ended up kind of being... Uh, like a blessing in disguise. Why? Um, why is it? Why is that? I don't know. It's just I went to a place where logged a lot of minutes. Uh, great group of guys who ended up hosting uh, the Ontario Provincial Championships, and it was just kind of like one of my really good hockey memories. And I ended up uh, just developing more, and you know, just I found my game that year, just kind of kind of being there, you know. Now, obviously, in all the time that you play junior, you kind of moved from a, a lot of different teams. It doesn't always happen that way. A lot of times, players, they'll play three or four years, you know, with the same junior team or a, a good amount of time with the same amount of team. What did you learn about yourself? Not necessarily your, your game of hockey, but yourself, uh, you know, with all the moving around that you did before you uh, went to SUNY Cartland. Yeah, I'd say, honestly, it's just, I didn't really, like, learn anything, like, too deep about myself, you know? It's just kind of like, hockey is a business, and, yeah, you know, you just, no matter what happens, you always got to just stay confident, believe in yourself, and just be a good person, you know? No, um, I've, I've, tried, I've tried to explain that to people, you know, when... 
when sometimes players get released, even with the Black Bears, I say, listen, hockey's a business. There are certain things that happen, um, and it's for sometimes the greater good. Sometimes it's not, you know, um, and it's just the way it is. And uh, trades happen for a reason, and, 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 and so on and so forth. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's it's nothing necessarily personal, but, you know, it's just <laughs> – it is what it is. I don't really know what else to kind of say about no. that. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so SUNY Cortland, obviously uh, fans here in Binghamton know of uh, SUNY Cortland and everything. Talk to me a little bit about your time, um, you know, playing college hockey there. And you got a degree there, which, again, I, I, love, I love the fact that a lot of the players on this team have gone to college, gotten a degree, and so they're still continuing their hockey career, but at the same time, they've got something to fall back on. Talk to me a little bit about your SUNY Cortland uh, time. Oh, I had a pretty unique experience there because my first year was the COVID year. Yep. So, again, um, I didn't even get to see the campus before I committed. Uh, I had to do, like, a FaceTime tour with uh, the coach there, uh, Joe Cardarelli. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, the first year we didn't play. So in mid-August, I got to campus and moved into my uh, house just off campus. Um, I had online school, and that was pretty much it. You know, everything was pretty much shut down. Like, the funny thing about that year was uh, they um, they made a schedule for second semester. We were going to play eight games, and then two weeks later, they kind of – shut everything down and yeah yeah from what i can remember about that year is just you didn't play hockey and did online school and uh kind of drank a lot <laughs> you know i well I, <laughs> there wasn't really much else to do right right no i, I i've talked to a couple guys who said that literally that year because there was no hockey for them to play they concentrated on studies I see what you concentrated on, which is okay. Um, <laughs> I, I like it. I like it, uh, which is very cool. Well, you know, talk about the differences between D3 hockey and junior hockey. Even the junior hockey that you came from, you know, again, it is a business in some cases where college hockey is not a business. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say the biggest thing is it's like, College coaches can pretty much have as many guys as they want, like on their roster. Yeah. So it's not like juniors where it's like if you're not, if things aren't working out, like you're just not going to be there anymore. Like you're not going to get cut or traded. You're just kind of like you're just kind of there, you know. Like I was fortunate enough, like the two seasons I did play, like um, I played a majority of games there, and like the hockey experience was like overall like a pretty pretty decent one but like you see kids that go to D3 colleges that just kind of don't play and they're just they're just practice players you know and you can't do anything about it unless uh you transfer or like you kind of quit and at that point it's just it's just so much more than hockey you know it's like yeah. college you got your your education and your social life and like costs and all that stuff. So it's definitely different. And I'd say the other different thing too is like, again, like a season is only 25 games. So each and every game means 
so much more. It does. Like, it really does. Um, what about the type of play that is played, you know, in the SUNY Act system? Uh, very physical game, correct? Yeah, it's very physical and very fast. Like, um, like, like the top teams are, like, really good. Like, Plattsburgh, um, Geneseo, Oswego, like, Cortland. Uh, this year, they're actually playing in the final on Saturday. So, shout out to them. They're doing great. Um, yeah, it's just very physical, very fast, hard hockey. And it's just a little different, too, because some schools' ranks are a little smaller than others. Like, mm-hmm. you look at a rank like uh, Oswego, who has a full-size rank like we do. So, it's a different game compared to, like, being at Alumni Arena at SUNY Cortland, where it's like you have this tiny neutral zone and, like, the zones are big, but overall the rank's, like, kind of small. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's it's definitely a different game, though, that's for sure. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got hooked up with the Black Bears. Honestly, it's, <laughs> there's not much of a story. Like, so um, when I decided to graduate early, um, I didn't tell my coach at Cordland Joe that, I wasn't going to come back until I knew for certain I was going to get my degree. Right. And I finished my last uh, summer class at the end of August, early September. So I made sure I got my degree, everything was good, and then I told Joe I wasn't coming back. Um, and then, yeah, I was just kind of without a place to play. And in the middle of September, I just uh, sent Coach Sherwood an email, and then 20 minutes later he called me, talked to me for like uh, – like 45 minutes and he's like yeah i'll give you an opportunity put me on a pto and now we're here okay so let me ask you this question what was the thought process about getting your degree early um like being a canadian kid like mm-hmm. uh, like living in the states is a little more expensive um in terms of like my parents paying for school like sure um being in Cortland, uh, I'm trying to remember. Tuition was like eight grand a semester, so sixteen, and then the house I lived in was like four four grand, so that's another eight. So, like when it came down to it, it was like, okay, well, I have my degree. Um, I can avoid like another years of tuition and start my pro hockey career a little bit sooner, and be yeah, a little bit sooner because. Like, the way I look at it now, it's like a, like playing two years of D3 was great and all, but it's kind of like I've already been there, done that. Like, I don't know. For me, it was just kind of uh, kind of time to move on. No, I, so, I understand. I understand. Um, so so you, you, you get the PTO, you show up to camp and everything. Um, what did you think? Your first, first time in a pro camp and everything, uh, what did you think when you first got here? I don't know, honestly, it was just, uh, all of it was just pretty good and positive. Like, I remember the first day, like, walking in the locker room and just, like, being, like, astounded at how nice, like, how nice and big everything was and, like, how friendly Jersey and John were. And, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was just kind of, it was just all kind of good and positive, you know. I wasn't mm-hmm. really, like, shell-shocked or anything. I just kind of went out there and played my game and just kind of whatever happens, happens, you know, like I kind of 
like, told myself, like, okay, like, you'd be a senior in college anyway this year. Like, if you end up, like, being a suitcase, like, whatever, like, you're opening doors for yourself that you wouldn't have by being back in Cortland. Right. Um, who was the first? Yeah. Who was the first player you got to talk with? Hmm. Well, like my first roommate here was uh, Noah Robinson, who's in Baton Rouge right now. Yep. So I'm just, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to think of uh, guys who are still here. Yeah, well, there was a couple. Probably see- yeah, well, there's a couple guys that are obviously gone that were here at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think Noah Robinson, uh, Noah Wild, uh, a couple other guys, and everything. Yeah, um, I'd probably say uh, Fletch and probably Fletcher or Stoner because uh, they're the two Calgary boys. Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. Like, I'm I'm from Toronto, but 90 percent of my family, like all my aunts and uncles, are uh, from Calgary. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I've been out there a ton of times, and I really love Western Canada, and it's kind of funny. I always tell them, like, yeah, like, I always, like, say, like, I'm a fake, like, Western boy, but, you know, I'm just a kid from Ontario, but, yeah, so I'd probably say those two guys from what I can remember. Now, you, you've you played with pretty much every defenseman on the team, uh, D-pairing-wise. Is, is, that, is that more difficult, or is it good to get to know – everybody that is going to be potentially on the ice, you know, for a deep pairing situation, because you never know who you might end up on a line with, you know, at the end of a game or something like that. You want to be comfortable, but, you know, or, or is it something where you like to be on the same line with somebody as much as possible? No, I'd say it's kind of good being able to, kind of play with everyone because just getting to know your teammates and like where they are and like how they respond to different communication and stuff like that is definitely a good thing because again it's like things get like um rumbled up like guys get hurt or sick or whatever so i think just kind of being able to adapt to any situation is probably a good thing um and again it helps my game out too like i know for for example, like if I'm paired with Wally, um, I'll have more of a green light to be more offensive and jump in the rush. Mm-hmm. But if I'm like with a guy, like let's say if I'm ever on the ice with like Bond or like even Weaver, like I know maybe to be a little more conservative, you know? Right. So I don't know. Honestly, I've I've had a lot of fun just kind of playing with all the guys and being able to play both sides too. Gotcha. Uh, let's go back to December 16th. Uh, I'm pretty sure you remember that day. Uh, first pro goal. Yeah. It was the fourth goal of the night. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that goal. What did you see? Obviously, Logar got you the puck and everything. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Like, I just remember that game. Like, kind of nothing was going on, and I didn't feel the best. And Josh Fletcher kind of looks at me on the bench. He's like, dude, like, just, just go for a rush. Just take the puck and go. Yeah. So I remember we had, uh, I think it was a face-off in the neutral zone. He won it. Um, I carried the puck into the offensive zone, and um, they all kind of got jumbled up. And I just saw Logues walk through four guys and just crept back door, and he fed me. And, yeah, next thing I knew, the puck was in the net, and it was just kind of like a big sigh of relief because – 
you know, I've had my opportunities before and just didn't get it yet. And when it happened, it felt good. Um, then obviously you got your second goal just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and that was against the, the river sharks and everything. Talk to me a little bit about that goal. Yeah. I mean, that one was just kind of like a good one-timer play. Like, uh, I saw I was on the ice with stone. And again, like these days, I don't usually play with stone, but I was just like, Hey, I'm going to take a one-timer off the draw. And same thing, just you, Kirk's won it back clean. Utro gave me a good pass right in my wheelhouse, and it was just kind of like a really nice shot. You know, like every every day after practice, we play this game called Juice Boy. I'm not sure if, sure if you heard of it, but it's like mm-hmm. a one-timer game where you have to like hit two one-timers in a row from, from the point, and you can only hit the net for yes. it to count. Yep. So, yeah, it's just been something – me and the boys have been working on for the past couple of months and you know now i kind of feel confident to take that shot and 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 that's an important that's an important thing confidence is very important did you start the season with a lot of confidence and it's kind of grown over the season or um or or you know or did you not have a lot of confidence and it grew over the season i should probably really phrase it that way Uh, you what was your what's your confidence been like so far this season I'd say it's been pretty good, you know. Um, again, be, being a D is so funny. Like, I know I'm obviously not a guy that's relied on to put up a ton of points, but at the end of the day, like, I'm still out there from, like, 15 to 20 minutes a night. Like, I still have to do my job and yeah. be good defensively, be hard to play against, and help offensively any way I can. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just, like, we've been so good that, like, everyone's been getting their licks in, so it's kind of hard, like, not to be confident. I mean, I w- I'd be lying if I'd say, like, yeah, I don't care about, like, how many points they have, like, whatever. It w- obviously would be nice to have more points, but, like, so far, like, I felt pretty pretty good about my game. Like, I'd say a guy in my situation specifically, like I just have to be good defensively, hard to play against, and everything um, like over that's just kind of like a bonus. Uh, you're a plus 18 this year. Uh, a good portion of the team has a very strong plus minus. How much pride do you take into making sure that when you're on the ice, the other team's not scoring? Yeah, I mean... Again, it's kind of everything, you know, like your defense and that's kind of your job. So, yeah, it's just any way I can help out my goalies to prevent a goal from happening, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, all right, so I've asked pretty much everybody this. I, I, I probably know the answer, but I want to get it from you anyways. What is the goal for this team this year? It's a championship. Flat out. You know, I... Flat out, it's a championship. You guys are thinking yeah, about I, talking about a championship. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, like at the beginning of the year, like when we got off to a hot start and stuff, it's just we knew we had the, like, group of guys to earn the potential to do it. And, like, now as we inch in it further in the season, like, yeah, it's just we have the skill – 
like we have everything laid out in front of us to yeah like do that job so yeah it's just anything it's a championship and honestly anything left of that is kind of unacceptable in uh, my opinion if you ask me no absolutely uh totally totally understand uh talk to me a little bit about the fans here in Binghamton they've been very supportive of you guys you guys just had two sellouts this past weekend on Friday and Saturday night can you talk about the fan support here in Binghamton yeah it's phenomenal I mean um after we played our home opener against Elmira and like not being used to like playing playing at home I just remember kind of thinking about like just being out there and playing in front of that crowd and it's like I don't think I've ever like done that especially like it's just so surreal that we get to do it at this level yeah that we do like being in the fed um but yeah other than that it's just you know it's always good like just seeing like people support like through practice um the support we get from the boosters and yeah like we're always signing autographs like people are always like wondering how we're doing like I think the thing that blows my mind the most is like having someone spend five hundred dollars on a jersey you wore like five minutes ago. Yeah, you know that's just something I've never experienced before, and you know it's just yeah, it's just kind of surreal. You know, like we we get treated like a higher level hockey team than like kind of being in the Fed. Like we're we're spoiled for being in Binghamton compared to like other teams for sure. Oh, without a doubt. So what's the toughest uh, arena to play in outside of Binghamton? Uh, you don't know, like, we've played really good ho- hockey in Danbury, and then obviously there have been a couple games that we let slide mm-hmm. in Danbury as well. So that's kind of like the obvious one. But um, Watertown plays really good in their rank too. Like, again, it's so different when they come to us and then we go there because their rank's so small. Right. Like, it's more of a meet-and-grind, muck type of game. And then when we play them in Binghamton, it's more of a skill-and-possess type of game. So there is um, – so, so, and you think that's because of the ring size? I'd say so, yeah. Yeah? 100%. Like, if you're in a rank that, where you have more kind of time and space to make plays and decisions and, like, just picking your head up for a split second to make a play rather than just kind of chucking it around, yeah, I'd say – definitely makes a uh, makes a little bit of a difference awesome la thank you very much for coming on we really appreciate it and it was a pleasure to get to know you and get to talk to you yeah thanks for having me awesome I appreciate it and uh, uh this is the power play post show for listening to this edition of the Power Play Post Show. Be sure to tune in next week to the Box Studios Radio Network for all the latest Black Bears news and interviews from around minor league hockey. The Power Play Post Show would like to thank John Patitucci for all the music you hear on the show.
You've been listening to the Power Play Post Show.